You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. How are we doing today, City Church? Doing pretty good? Right on. Loved hearing Joaquin representing the east side today and uh, busting a rhyme there. So that's pretty cool. Um, by the way, we had a fabulous Easter, and I want to thank you because you guys were hope dealing and inviting friends, and we had a record number of people at our Easter services. There were just under 2,400 people at our Easter services, like 2389. So, you know... You clap for that, but you're really making your pastor nervous because we're not going to be able to fit everybody in the cameo. And it's like, what are we going to do now? So just start praying, but uh, praying that God would provide us with a great place to, to meet that's maybe a little larger. And you know, uh, uh, we had like 76 baptisms on Easter, and that's what it's all about, right? It's like, um, and each one represents a significant story of life change. And so we just thank God for that. You guys were generous to the food bank and many awesome things happen. I, I wanna thank you for Hope Dealing. I wanna thank our staff and volunteers uh, for serving at Kid City and welcome and throughout the entire uh, experience. Would you guys join me in honoring all the folks that volunteered and staff that served at Easter? Yeah, thank you. So... Um, If you're new here, I want to welcome those of you that are our spiritual investigators trying to figure out if God is even out there, those of you that are new guests, attenders, those of you worshiping the Video Cafe, as well as those of you worshiping online. And today we're starting this new series, and it's called uh, Emotional Health and the Demonic, okay? And so as soon as I say those words, emotional health and the demonic, I know what some of you are thinking, okay? You're thinking, what have I walked into today, right? Is this one of those, like... Uh, churches like where the water boy's mom goes, you know, where it's like foosballs of the devil and everything's of the devil and they believe in chupacabras and Bigfoot and wrestling is real, you know, and all this kind of stuff. So uh, that's not what it's really all about. But we come from various backgrounds in this place, don't we? And San Antonio is interesting geographically because we're at this crossroads where uh, the spiritualism of South America and Central America Latin America, intersects with Western naturalism. So a lot of you uh, were like relocated here to San Antonio from the north, perhaps the military or a company brought you here. And you're like, what kind of people are these people down here? And then some of you grew up here, you're puro, you know, it's like, uh, you know, you grew up with a lot of very spiritual things and um, what those of you that are Western naturalists uh, who typically believe in what you can observe and see, I want to ask you to be culturally sensitive to those who are around you and those that are uh, kind of from here and elsewhere and who, who don't share your worldview. And I also want to challenge you a little bit to consider that perhaps there are spiritual realities at play in the world that you've not yet experienced. And maybe you can learn some things from our brothers and sisters who uh, are from Central and South America who've experienced some things that maybe you have not. Now, as we start the series today, I want to say two things that we're not saying during this series about mental health and the demonic. Number one, we're not saying that all mental, you know, illness is demon possession, okay? Can we just say that right up front? Uh, And a lot of people have been deeply wounded by well-meaning Christians who over-spiritualized things and said that their mental illness was some type of demon possession, okay? That's not true. 
A second thing we're not saying here is that everybody with a mental illness should throw away their meds and just pray more, okay? Uh, Could we all be better if we prayed more? Well, you bet. And are there people who probably over-medicate and who, you know, get prescriptions that they really didn't need? Sure, that exists. But when someone's bipolar and they just blow off their meds, really bad things can happen. So can we be responsible as we move forward and kind of have a balance in this conversation regarding uh, mental health and the demonic. So with these caveats in place, uh, we can have the rest of the conversation. And some years ago, when I started becoming aware of spiritual warfare kinds of things, I asked, are there like academic people that actually believe that this stuff is real and that it exists and there's this connection between uh, demons and our emotions? And I had this seminary professor named Dr. Roy Fish when I was going through my master's work and he was the mentor to Rick Warren. Some of you have maybe read The Purpose Driven Life or heard of it. And Dr. Fish talked about these dark spiritual realities. And then uh, I went to this theological roundtable with Dr. David Allen, who is a Harvard and a Yale professor. And so I had to suffer for the Lord and go down to Nassau, Bahamas to his house and sit in a, a theological round. And, and this learned man is talking about dark spiritual realities in the world, and he's experienced these types of manifestations. And then uh, there's a guy named Dr. Richard Gallagher. He's trained at Princeton and Yale. He's board-certified psychiatrist and um, professor of clinical psychiatry at New York uh, Medical College. He's also a devout Catholic Christian who helps Catholic priests in exorcisms, and he helps them discern between what's mental illness and what's actual demon possession. And this is a guy that's got some very interesting work on this particular subject. And so I'll refer to him later on in the series when we talk about counterfeit spiritualities. But um, anyways, it shouldn't, you know, there, there are a lot of people that are really smart that have become attuned to this connection between the demonic and uh, emotional problems. And so it shouldn't have surprised me some years ago when I met this couple, Mike and Jen. And when Mike and Jen came to me, I mean, they're not superstitious kind of people. These are both graduates from the Air Force Academy. And so some of you know how tough it is to get through the Air Force Academy. And so they take some really smart people to get into that place. And you got to be really uh, smart and strong-willed to make it through. Uh, So when they came to me, Jen was experiencing this substantial depression. I mean, she like had a dark cloud of depression over her life. And so I start asking these questions about their lives. And what they explained to me was that Jen grew up in this home where her dad or stepdad was a psychologist. But at the same time, he was into new age spirituality. And uh, because of this, she received like this spirit guide named Michael. And by the way, if, if you receive a spirit guide or you hear someone talk about spirit guide, your spiritual antennae should start to quiver. I'm just going to tell you that right now. And some of you are not going to like that because you're like into like talking to dead relatives or whatever and spirit guides, but uh, that is not what you think it is. And just, I'm, suge- I'm not just suggesting, I'm saying you could be deceived by that. And if you get offended by that, mini violin, wee, 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 you know, so get over it. Okay. Because um, these kind of things, can be very, very damaging. And that was absolutely the case with Jen. And so she was encountering what's called automatic writing. You know what that is? It's like when something controls a person and makes them write out these messages on a piece of paper. And oddly enough, um, the automatic writing that was coming to Jen was always accusatory and hateful messages towards her Christ-following husband. Why is that? 
So they came to me. We prayed together. We, we went ahead and sent Michael packing and out the door uh, and prayed against all of that. And what do you know? The cloud of depression is gone. And this is just one of the many experiences that I've had that tells me that this type of connection between the demonic and emotional well-being is for real and it's legit. That said, most of the spiritual warfare that you and I are gonna encounter is not weird stuff. It's not some manifestation of a demon. It's not like some hot topic teenager manifesting Marilyn Manson, okay? Uh, Most of what we're gonna deal with in spiritual warfare is gonna be dealing with our thought life, demon-inspired thoughts. And for many of this series, for many of us, this series is going to be like a spiritual tune-up, you know? Uh, are any of you people uh, good at working on cars or know about cars? Anybody just raise your hand real quick. Don't be shy. Come on. I know a few. I see a few of you down there, back there. Yeah. Okay. Not very many. How many of you, you're, you're in the majority like me, don't know, you know, don't know how to work on cars, don't know, don't, just raise your hand. Yeah. A bunch of us. Okay. Yeah, so a bunch of us will, will admit it. Well, how many of you know that, like, whether someone knows a lot about cars or a little bit about cars, everybody's car needs a tune-up, doesn't it? We know this, and, and that's the truth. It doesn't, know how much you, it doesn't matter how much you know about cars, you need a tune-up. You can understand combustion engines and high viscosity breakdowns. See, I know a few, three things, but I don't know about a car. But, but uh, you can know all that stuff, and still, your car still needs a tune-up, just like the person who doesn't know anything about a car and takes it to a mechanic all the time. And the same thing is true in the spiritual realm. Man, you can know a lot of Bible verses, you can know and have read a lot of books on spiritual warfare and all that, but at the same time, no matter how much you know or don't know, we all need those tune-ups, spiritually speaking. My first vehicle was a pickup truck, and I was young and inexperienced at having a car, and I just liked to drive, man. I didn't worry, worry about maintenance. I didn't worry about tune-ups. I didn't worry about oil changes. And everybody who has a car knows that that story never ends well, does it? Um, and some of you, like me, uh, I ended up on the side of the road, smoke pouring out of the hood of my pickup truck, and I learned a very expensive lesson at a time in my life when I didn't have the money to have an expensive lesson. You know what I'm saying? Has anybody been there with me on that one before? And so look, here's what this series is going to do for you spiritually and emotionally, is that it's going to prevent some of you from ending up on the emotional and spiritual side of the road with smoke pouring out of your soul. You know what I'm saying? So uh, we're going to get encouraged during this series. Uh, you're going to get built up during this series. Some of you have been to churches where you go and you didn't feel like you worshiped unless the guy yelled at you and made you feel guilty about something. That is not worship. That is dysfunction, okay? Uh, And so what we're gonna do is encourage you. And so what I want you to do to receive some encouragement today is we're gonna say some declarations out loud together. And as we say them, I'm gonna ask you to put your hand out if you're comfortable to do so in a position to receive encouragement from the Lord. So you ready? Those hands out just like this if you're uh, willing to receive that. And let's read these declarations together as they come up on the screen. Here Here we go. God really does love me. I'm surrounded by people who care about me. I choose to do an emotional and spiritual tune up. Jesus, I receive healing as I hear your word. Would anybody receive that as encouragement today? You can put your hands down. Yeah, you can clap them if you want to. That's good. So, Remember, this series is gonna be all about your thinking. Let me ask you this question about your thinking. You ever have a really dark thought and you don't tell anybody about it, but you have this really dark thought and you think to yourself, self, 
Where, uh, where did that thought come from? You know? And then here's what happens is that you have a thought and it's in the first person. And so you think that that is your thought because it's a thought that's in the first person, but it's really not your thought. It's a shot in there from a Michael spirit guide. You know? So uh, a bad place. And a lot of people are less in control of their thinking than what they really know. So I'm suggesting today and throughout this series is that we think about our thinking. And here's the simple idea I want to submit to you today is that thinking about your thinking is not overthinking. <laughs> I've thought about this. And we've got some stinking thinking that we're going to deal with. And so would you say that simple idea with me real quick? Ready? Here we go. Thinking about your thinking is not overthinking because the battle is, spiritual battle is always typically in our minds and you see that throughout the entirety of the New Testament. Look at what James said in chapter one, verse eight. It says a person's double mind is unstable in all they do. And so in Christ, we're supposed to have this single-mindedness towards the kingdom of God and we get this double-mindedness when have this duplicity of thought. It's like we're unstable emotionally and spiritually. And then you look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, uh, 5. It says, we demolish, look at this, arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every what? Thought um, to make it obedient to Christ. And so your thought life is going to affect not just your spiritual life, but your emotional life. Uh, that's why I was so interested in Dr. Daniel Amen. He's the founder and CEO of the Amen Clinics. And um, his team has examined over 83,000 brain scans. They have the largest database of brain scans in the world. And they found this correlation between brain injuries, ADD, depression, anxiety, and even criminal behaviors. So what Dr. Amen would tell you is that if you meditate on and read a little bit of the scriptures every day, it's like thought therapy for your brain. And he would point to passages like Romans 12, 2 and say, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so when you transform your mind, it's like you're given this discernment that helps you to see which thoughts are good, which thoughts are bad, to see the path for your life that is God's best and his will for your life. So thinking about your thinking is not overthinking, but today we're gonna unpack a particular kind of thought and it's accusing thoughts, accusing thoughts. Now, who is the Bible character who is most known for accusing? We'll find the answer to the question in John's vision that's recorded in Revelation, look at chapter 12, verse 9. It says, the great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation, the power, the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah for the, what's that word? Accuser of our brothers and sisters who does what? Accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by a couple of different things. By the, number one, blood of the lamb 
and by the word of their testimony. And so the ultimate power over the demonic is going to be through the cross of Jesus and his shed blood, the blood of the lamb, and also your story as you've applied uh, the gospel, the cross, to your um, life here. Now, one of the most well-known illustrations of accusation in the Jewish community and Jewish literature would be the Job story. And in case you don't know the full Job story, um, it's basically one day when Satan was going back and forth across the earth looking for someone that he could accuse and someone that he could harass. And that person became Job. And the way the story goes in the book of Job in the Old Testament of the Bible is that Satan comes before uh, Joe, uh, rather, Satan comes before God, and he says, hey, God, uh, you know, this guy Job, I mean, he's not such a big deal. Look, the only reason that Job worships you, God, is because you have protected and blessed his finances, his family, and his physical health. But if those three things were wiped out, then he would surely curse you to your face. And so God gave uh, Satan permission to test his little theory on Job. And so Satan immediately goes with his messengers and he takes out Job's family, his kids die, his finances, all his farm animals got, you know, taken away, um, and his physical health. He was laying on the ground with these sores all over his body and he was in pain and suffering and wished he'd never been born. Well, those of you that have read Job know that typically what Christians do is you'll read the story of Job in this way. You'll read chapters one and two, and you look at how Satan took everything away from Job. And then the rest of the book, you skip the majority of it, and you skip to the end of the book, which is like around chapter 42, to the part where God restores his life um, and gives him back and blesses him way beyond what he ever had. Um, but there's a big part of Job that we kind of gloss over, and the reason that we skip past it is because a lot of people think it's a little more boring because it's just Job talking to these three friends of his, right? But there's something that happens in what that middle part that I think is significant to our conversation today. And so what you're going to see is this friend of Job's named Eliphaz. He was a religious guy. And Eliphaz has a spiritual experience that's uh, very relevant for what we're talking about today regarding spiritual warfare and emotions. And so um, look at what happened in Job 4.12. And it's kind of a spooky story as we read it together. So feel spooky for just a minute um, as we read through this story. It says, a word was secretly brought to me. My ears caught a whisper of it amid disquieting dreams in the night when deep sleep falls on people. Fear and trembling seized me and made all my bones shake. A spirit glided past my face. And the hair on my body stood on end. It stopped, but I could not tell what it was. A form stood before my eyes, and I heard a hushed voice. It's kind of a weird story, isn't it? Kind of a weird happening. And if you continued to read in that part of the book, you would see that this spirit that came by Eliphaz was making these subtle accusations towards Job. And what happens there is that this spirit says a lot of things that are true but he tweaked the truth just enough to cause question of Job's character and accusations towards Job. And that is the way the demons work. 
is they never just give you this bold-faced lie, but they'll give you a 90% truth, and they tweak the truth just a little bit to make a 10% lie out of it. And then they watch. They watch you, how you respond to that little tweaked truth. And then what they do is they tweak it a little bit more when they feel like you're ready. And before you know it, you're like a frog in the kettle, and you're believing all kind of stuff that you never would have believed in your life, and you're self-deceived, and you're on the side of the road with smoke pouring out of your soul, and your life can be destroyed. And uh, one of the things that I noticed in this reading through the book of Job was that you only see Satan in the beginning of the book, but then he's gone. And I think probably what happened was Eliphaz had a spiritual experience with a demon that started influencing him and his friends to throughout the majority of that book to bring accusations towards Job and say, Job, you're suffering because of some secret sin in your life. Have you had a well-meaning Christian ever like even take the Bible and use it to accuse you of having so much, some, some sin in your life, and then they try and make this direct correlation between your suffering and sin in your life? Well, that is not always true. And that was certainly the case uh, in Job's story. So uh, what these guys were doing was they were instruments of Satan to accuse Job during the time of his life that he needed encouragement the most from his friends. See? See how he works? And a lot of Christian people unknowingly do the work of Satan unknowingly and think they're doing the work of God by taking Bible verses and levying accusations against other people. And recently I've had to ask myself, what kinds of subtle accusations have I made towards other people to get someone to question a friend, a family member, and their character, see? And so what demons want us to do is they want us to accuse three beings They want us to accuse ourselves, other people, and God. We're going to break each one of those down here in just a little bit. Uh, But before we leave the book of Job, if you think about Job, why is it uh, that we think the way we do about suffering? When we suffer, why is it that we tend to always blame God for suffering? When in the book of Job, it's clearly Satan that brought suffering into the scenario. God didn't want us to suffer. God didn't want us to have sin entered into our environment and into our world because he knew it would cause suffering in our lives. But we always tend to blame God uh, for our suffering. And maybe we need to consider that accusation that we bring against him. Now, another thing I want to bring up here is that some of you ask the question, well, what about when I have an accusation in my own life about something I actually did wrong, about a sin in my life? And uh, that's a very good question. And here's the deal, is that thinking about your thinking doesn't mean you gloss over sin. See, Um, if I encourage you today And don't deal with sin in your life and in your heart. Basically, what I'm doing is I'm putting a Band-Aid over a cancerous tumor that's in your life. And so uh, we can't put Band-Aids over cancer, do we? We have to remove that stuff. And what we want to embrace today is conviction that comes from the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit taps us or taps our spirit about something that says, hey, this is something that needs to change. We need to receive that. But what we don't want to receive is accusations uh, against us. So um, how is it that we remove this cancerous tumor called sin in an ultimate kind of a way? Well, we remove it by 
the cross, okay? Um, the cross has power. Would you say those two words with me? The cross, when I point to you, you ready? Here we go. Good. And throughout this talk and throughout this part of the talk, I'm going to mention, and you say, see, I got to keep you on your toes, right? You say, see, that's pretty good. So it's like no demon is more powerful than what? Like no accusing thought is more powerful than no biochemistry in you that causes you to feel bad is more powerful than no trauma or past failure is more powerful than no shame in your life about something you actually did wrong is more powerful than is it if you feel unlovable, um, you can know that you're loved because of what Jesus did on. Now we're going to see it in the scriptures as well as our practical lives, aren't we? And so look at Colossians 2.14. It says, he canceled the record of the charges against us, took it away by nailing it to what? Right. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on what? And then if we flip over to Hebrews, if you look at chapter 12, verse 2, um, we're to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured what? Scorning its shame. See, it was on the cross that Jesus took your shame, everything you feel ashamed or guilty or bad about, he took it upon himself on the cross. Look at 1 Peter 2, 24. It says he personally carried our sins in his body on what? so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. And look, I can't, in a clear conscience, take you through more ministry prayers to overcome the accusations that are being levied against you unless you have first received a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, unless you have first been born anew. Some people call it being born again or meeting God by applying the cross to your life. And so I felt it would be appropriate at this point in the service to just kind of stop, take a time out. Let's bow for prayer. And as we bow before God, if you have never begun a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, here's what I want you to do. I want you to begin one right now, if you could. And it's simple to do. You just talk to God in your own heart and mind right now. And just say something like this to God. Say, look, God, I know that I've sinned. And right now, the best I know how, I am choosing to believe that Jesus took my sin and the punishment for my sin on the cross. And Jesus, I welcome you into my life. I want a relationship with you. Thank you for coming in. And if you just now prayed that and welcomed him into your life, would you show me your hand real quick? Just a hand up. Yeah, a bunch of us all over the room. Awesome. Excellent, a bunch of us. Okay, you can put those hands down now. And you can look up at, at me now if you'd like. Now that we've applied the cross, now we can deal with a lot of these accusations that have been coming towards us. Because look, here's what some of you are hearing. Some of you who are church volunteers, you're hearing, how could you volunteer at the church after the stuff you've just done? It's not coming from the Holy Spirit. Some of you guys are hearing, you know, and you're a Christian guy, you're trying to walk with God, but you stumbled. And you looked at something on a screen, you looked at some porn, and here come those accusations now. And it's like, you know, you're probably never going to be able to stop this because you're just a pervert. 
Some of you ladies are here and you're, you're really not a very good wife. I mean, look in the mirror. Your husband's probably gonna trade you in for a newer model. Any ladies here in that kind of stuff? Or any husbands hear stuff like this? You know, you're not a very good husband. And the reason is because if you just made a little bit more, if you could just move up in your tax bracket, then then you would really be taking care of your family, you know? Any husbands hear that kind of stuff? Maybe it's like you're working real hard at your grades, students, and it's like, you know, if you were just a half a point better in your grades, you'll have a shot at being successful. See, but where you're at right now, you probably are never gonna make it with where you're at. See, these are accusations, but they get taken care of and the condemnation of the accusations gets taken care of by a bombshell of a truth. Let me show it to you in Romans. It's Romans uh, 8.1 where there's no condemnation. It says, there is now no what? Condemnation for those who are in Christ. And some of you just now prayed to receive Christ and others of you have done it at different times. And so there's no condemnation for you. And we can pray the rest of these prayers with that in mind that you are no longer condemned. You're good, okay? And so what I'm about to say to you, don't misunderstand it. But let me ask you a question about accusation. Have you been making accusations about other people? I really had to evaluate my own heart in this because sometimes I can just be more subtle about it and I get someone to question someone else. And I'm a pastor. And it's like when I do that, when I'm accusing, that isn't God's work. You know whose work that is? That's the devil's work, the the work of demons. And have you been doing what I've kind of subtly done? Accusations. So what I'm going to have us do, if we want to deal with this now, is I'm going to show you a prayer on screen. And you can pray it silently. I'll voice the prayer on our behalf. And you can pray this and remove the power of accusation from your heart. Here's the prayer. And you can keep your eyes open, by the way, during this prayer and look at it on screen. How many of you know that some of the most powerful prayers are prayed when you get your eyes open? Right? So here's the prayer. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I confess that I've unnecessarily accused others. I choose to change. I will no longer accuse other people. I choose to believe the best about others. In Jesus' name, I command the accusing spirit to go now. Holy Spirit, please fill me and speak truth into my mind. Some of you just got free of that accusation that you've levied towards others and Look, here's the big one for a lot of us, accusing yourself. And a minute ago, when I rattled through that list of accusations about self, you've heard those, haven't you? And it is time now to deal with it and remove it. So Holy Spirit's gonna speak to us, and I wanna stop just for a minute. And are things coming to mind, specific accusatory thoughts that come into your brain? Are they coming to your mind right now? Let's deal with it in prayer. And here's the prayer. I'll voice it on our behalf. You say it silently, but just between you and the Lord. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I confess I've unnecessarily accused myself. I choose to change. I will no longer accuse myself. 
I choose to embrace my identity in Christ. In Jesus' name, I command the accusing spirit to go now. Holy Spirit, please fill me and speak truth into my mind. Yeah, someone just got free, huh? A lot of someones. Here's another one. And this one's particularly true when you've gone through suffering. And some of you have gone through suffering or a loss. And they've shot these thoughts into your head to blame God, to accuse God of a false and bad motive towards you. And so, Holy Spirit, let's speak to our minds now. Is anybody having that that thing that you went through and you've questioned God's motives towards you because of it? Well, here's the prayer. Look at it on screen. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I confess I've accused you of doing me wrong. I choose to change. I will no longer accuse you, God. I know you're good. And in Jesus' name, I command the accusing spirit to go now. Holy Spirit, please fill me and speak truth into my mind. So what I want you to do right now is to go ahead and close your eyes again and listen. And what you're listening for is the Holy Spirit to fill your mind, to speak to you. This is what we call listening prayer because prayer is not just talking, it's listening to what God wants to say to you and try and best you can tune any potential distraction out of your mind right now and listen for a word, a picture, or a thought that comes from the Holy Spirit to speak to you right now. And Gideon's gonna play in here in just a minute when you've had time to hear from the Lord. Gideon's going to sing over us as we experience the healing words and pictures that come from the Holy Spirit. Accusation has no place Only what you said remains That I am yours I am yours And rejection has no place But you were rejected in my place That I am yours I am yours Every accusation fades Only what you've said remains Now I am yours, thank you I am yours Rejection has no place For you were rejected in my place Now I am yours And I am yours And 
you that we're yours and that that has been accomplished by the cross and nothing not angels or demons or anything else can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus and it's not like we get into your hands and then we do something wrong and slip out of your hands we're in the hands of Jesus and your hands and no one can pry us out of your hands Thank you for that truth. Thank you for the truth that if someone is hearing the accusation that, you know, you're just not, you've never been able to be married or you've not gotten married yet. You're somehow unlovable. Not true. Married to Jesus. Worth the cross. Loved. Accepted. Someone else got divorced and it's like, man, how come nobody wants me? Accusation not true, wanted and loved by Jesus. Yes. Thank you for the truth that is in the, cl- the cross. Some are experiencing physical healing because accusation is being removed and snakes of shame are wrapping around people's feet to try and hold them back and hold them down and keep them from walking in the Lord. But those snakes are being eaten today so that we can not just walk but run and not grow weary thank you Lord for the good work that you're doing in our souls today as we continue in prayer anybody having those uh, accusations against God and you just want to show me by raising your hands real quick you dealt with accusations against God today just raise a hand yeah Anybody have accusations towards yourself that you were dealing with that just want to show me a hand there? You're hearing all kinds of accusations against yourself. Just raise your hands up. Yeah, Lord. Thank you that we're getting free of guilt and shame and uh, all those things that try and hold us down because we're embracing that awesome truth that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for all that you're doing in among us today. We love you for it. 
And we thank you that we're not just like your minions or something, but that we're your kids, your children. And we thank you for all these things. In the powerful name of Jesus, everyone said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.